And I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And this week, this month, this episode, who knows, <laughs> uh, we're recording for a review of Tower of Dawn by Sarah J. Mass. Uh, so this book, I did not realize, was not written in the order that we read it, which shocked me. No, it is. <clears throat> oh, it wasn't, ri- it wasn't written. You're right. Got it. Yeah. I mean, chronologically, we're reading them correctly, but this book was written after the next book, which is the last one, was written. And given what we learn in this book, I found that absolutely shocking that they progressed the story without all this information. (laughs) Or or I'm curious to see if they reveal it in a different way in the the next book. Um, So in this this book, we follow uh, the story of Kale Westfall and Nezrin as they uh, head off to uh, far off lands to find healing for Kale, who was made uh, paralyzed because he was stabbed by, was he stabbed by the king? Yeah, stabbed by the king uh, during the downfall of uh, the castle, the big battle in uh, previous books. And uh, we haven't heard from quite some time. I think it was a whole book. Uh, so far that we didn't hear about him at all, and this is catching us up on his story and uh, what he's doing there. Uh, So while he's down there, he's trying to, one, get healed, and two, muster up support from the southern continent to try and get an extra army to come up and help uh, Aelin in her battle against the bog. Yeah, don't forget the number three. Oh. Get some gals? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, pick up some chicks along the way. Pick up, he went down in a relationship and he came up in a different relationship. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm telling you. So <laughs> I, have, I have thoughts on that whole process. That, but yeah, that's just a brief sec, uh, uh, introduction into the, the book. We're going to get into it here, of course. Um, but let's uh, let's move on to overall impressions. Yeah, let's go into overall impressions and thoughts. And, uh, you know, as you said, uh, this book does... Uh, may have been written afterwards, but you know, I wouldn't have known any difference. I read it in this order and it makes sense reading it in the context of this book coming in between this and the last book. It does tell us, it it gives some backstory that while you may not need to just jump into the last book to have read this book, it definitely helps. It definitely helps. It gives context and understanding. And so I, I did appreciate it. So, but let's start. Overall impressions and thoughts. Jim, I see you have a, a little a diatribe here. You want to tell us a little bit about your overall thoughts and impressions as you read this book? Yeah, I always liked Kale as as a character, and I was kind of looking forward to, to reading this and hoping that it would kind of take a different tack than we've been, we've been going, a, a little different road than we've been going down um 
you know, we've been reading this for several months, and, uh, you know, and what happened? Well, we're stuck in the middle of a romance tease story between Kale and the girl who's agreed to take on his healing. <laughs> she hates his guts to start with, and then she likes him, and then she really likes him, and it's like, oh, my God. And it just takes so long and the games they play with each other and all this stuff, it it it, it just kind of takes me out of the whole story, you know. Um, right. The Nesrin story saved the book for me. Um, it really helped me get through. I thought it was it was a huge adventure. Uh, hearing her thoughts on how she was being nostalgic and her family was from there, and she was really kind of glad to be back and looking around and uh, what a warrior she is and going out and riding the, the rucks or rooks or whatever the rooks. I'm not yeah, sure rooks. how it's pronounced. Let's say again. The, well, yeah, I think the last one, the rooks. The rooks, okay. And uh, learning how to do that and sharing her her warrior experience with, with the rook riders it was it was just that was just really good stuff but otherwise it's just another another romance novel yeah. <laughs> i do I, I do want to say one thing that that you kind of uh touch on jim a little bit and um you know one of the things i do appreciate you know throughout this series we've been focused on you know you know um the name of the main character is slipping my mind it was um, Aelin. Yeah, Aelin. So we focus exclusively on Aelin. And yes, we touch on these other characters, but pr predominantly you're there. And it, it, and it's kind of a fresh story in a way that we don't focus on her at all, except as a casual plot device to move it forward. We're trying to raise support for her. But she's not really central in this story. And we're in a different land with a person that we got to know in book one and in the subsequent books who has liked uh, Aelin and then hated Aelin and fell in love with Aelin and, and now is down here injured. And, you know, his future uh, is just a different story. It's not the same story that we've been following. And so I do appreciate it from that end. And I agree. The, 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 the Nezrin story was fabulous um, of course, you have the whole romance with you know him marrying the, I mean, her marrying the uh, king's son in in the ultimate end of it. But it's a uh, it's a good story, and especially I especially appreciated the storyline with the queen of the Vog and figuring mm -hmm. out the whole um, the spiders uh, that were down there that were also that that they ended up being descendants of the Vogue as well. And you get this incredible insight into Queen Ma Mab that we don't, we didn't realize until, until really this book. Um, there were hints when you go back and you reread the books, you realize that Sarah J Moss has been hinting at that, but um, she reveals it kind of blatantly in this book. And it's kind of a fabulous story. So I, I, I guess I'm, I'm telling you my overall thoughts and impressions. I appreciated the change of pace, the change of scenery, the change of perspective and the change in the focus of characters. David, it's all you now. What you don't see is he's downing a bottle. Uh, of 
<laughs> whatever it is. <sighs> Let's get started. It's just water, <laughs> but it's a wine bottle. <laughs> just wanted to do that for effect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because people see that on the podcast, David. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, it's for you guys. Um, <laughs> so, uh, look, I liked this book. I thought it stretched Sarah J. Moss's writing a little bit. Um, not having a female, like a full female lead book. Um, I, I enjoyed the new setting. I found everything going on in this city. I found the characters in this uh, way more interesting and way more like ent- like enticing than the than Aelin's story, who we've constantly been battling against, like her living up to a myth of herself, which sounds way cooler than her uh, in reality, and or, or her finding her power or whatever. And this was more like um, ordinary people in an extraordinary circumstance. And I think that just made it a little bit more relatable than having uh, a Superman type character that, that is learning how to be more Superman. You know, I think that's the same problem Superman has in his, his stuff. But overall I I did, I did enjoy this book. I will say uh, Sergei Mass either a, has only experienced love in one way or B only finds true romance to be formed in one way. And that is the only way that she writes her, her really all of her relationships. They all start out because I thought this was going to be different because Kale and Nezrin were in a relationship when they went down there and it was a very utilitarian, like, like they liked each other, but they weren't like over the top crazy. It was kind of like, they were learning how to like each other and that type of thing. And they both get there and almost immediately both characters are swayed in different directions. So every romantic relationship that she writes is one, the characters have to not like each other at first, uh, strongly dislike each other at first and think that they'll never get along. Two, they have to be forced for some reason to spend a lot of time together uh, and that's unavoidable and that they don't want to do, neither of them want to do. And three, there's always a third character to make it a love triangle that is either already in love with someone in, in the triangle or currently in a relationship or uh, recently broken up with them or something. And that's every single relationship in this, in this, everyone, like I, I just can't, it just, uh, it just bugs me so much because it's like some of the relationships aren't even that, that like, crazy it's just then she has to add that little like aspect to it and it's like come on you didn't need you know you when when sartak gets to the place he didn't need the kind of the extra thing of his house sister like secretly being in love with him and that kind of being a a weird hurdle for like three chapters that then turns out to be nothing it's just like why why can't these characters just fall in love and then when they fall in love it's always like it's always like zero to ten instantly there's no there's no like slow it's just like oh i think i I think could i could i possibly be in love with this and then the next next scene they're like it's either love this person forever or horrible thing and they're like well i guess i love this person forever so i don't know that was a little frustrating for me but overall i did very much enjoy this book i liked the the revelations in it seemed were very interesting. Uh, the reveals were, were very well done. And, and honestly, 
I don't know how the rest of the book would have fared without some of the reveals with the queen and the spiders and stuff. Like that stuff was really interesting to me. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that makes this book interesting for me and has actually made a lot of the other books as well, there seems to be a trope that crops up in her books where we we have this revelation. And in the case of, for example, about the spiders in Queen Mab, we find that by them going to that oasis, right? And they go into that, the old temples and they realize through the scribing of the wall that there's um, a new revelation that happens. Um, we find it when, we find it when they're, uh, you know, there's various there's various passageways that go down where stuff's discovered, and I love that kind of ancient mystery. Um, and it doesn't just crop up in this book; it crops up under the castle. It crops up, you know, even when we're in Queen Mab's land, right? Uh, you, you you see it kind of all over the place where there's this ancient history that's been hidden that it were that is revealed and when they get that revelation, that ancient history brings an understanding that changes the way they see the world because this knowledge has been lost slash hidden slash, you know, whatever. Uh, and it is one of the things that I do appreciate about these books. Because I like that sort of thing. Um, it's the same reason, like even in science fiction, I like that. I know this isn't really science fiction, but when they, when, when people go to a world and they discover a culture and an ancient civilization that, that suddenly there's a revelation that comes from this ancient civilization that is fantastic. I mean, I'm always intrigued by that sort of thing. So, but mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I think that's one of the things she does. She does do well. I mean, yeah, that's how she keeps her stories going. There's yeah. always something around the corner she's going to reveal. Yep. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Jim, you know. why don't you take us into characters and places? Yeah, let's talk about Kale. He's uh, he's not doing too well. He's he's got something in him that's causing him to be uh, crippled from the waist down, apparently. And he's come down to this country to get himself healed, if that's possible, and to try to get the Kagan, I hope I'm saying that right, Sure. to back their Tarasin campaign with Aelin. Right. And I'll tell you what, the Kagan is not having anything to do with it. Right. Apparently, yeah. there's a whole lot of treasure sitting there, and he just looks at it and says, "No, I don't want it." <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk also... about I want to talk about Kale a little bit because I think that you this idea his healing is fascinating in the way she wrote it. It's it's not just a physical healing; like he has the, the there's a splintering of Vog, whether it's the idea that's been kind of planted in him that he has to somehow put past, and it's very psychological. Um, there is a deep healing. It is beyond physical, and and it's that, it's that journey to not just physical health, but emotional and perhaps spiritual health that becomes the focus of the whole healing process. 
And so I, I really liked the way she wrote that. That really intrigued me, the whole process of him learning to walk again. I thought I was fascinated by that. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was really well, well, like played out and that it was like in, in, in some ways, uh, Irene had to discover how to heal herself to heal him, even though she had been a healer for so many years or whatever, and was so skilled, it was like a new learning process for her, uh, to kind of figure out this thing that was inside of him. Um, I was not expecting him to be so focused on forming an army, like getting an army. I didn't remember that. I just remember him being kind of reluctantly sent off to get healed. He didn't want to. And uh, Nezrin kind of being like, oh, make, we're going to make him go. And then kind of as the last thing, they were like, well, you know, if you get healed while you're down there, also look into to getting some allies. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it was, I don't think it was such a prominent idea when he's sent off, um, he's kind of set off and then we forget about him for a book and we come here and voila, he's here and he is at the same time trying to get an army while also trying to get healed. I think the other thing with the healing that I really liked is the way in the end, him and Irene become intertwined in a way that they either live together or die together. I thought that that was an interesting way to kind of intertwine his the ultimate healing for him. Right. Well, that's because he gets hurt again. Though. Right. I mean, that's, right. Yeah. But I, but yeah. I did like that. That was an interesting, gives you a motivation to keep someone alive. Huh, David? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I don't know. I, I thought the guy was a little whiny. Oh yeah. Not yeah, near. He's as, always been whiny. <laughs> yeah. Well, not nearly as bad as he's been in previous books, but, um, you know, he, he he just seemed to keep having to prove himself over and over and over again and do ridiculous things that he probably shouldn't have done. And uh, I don't know. It just seemed like a character that should be as strong as Kale was in the first book uh, sure did get nerfed as time went on. Huh. Well, I think, I think you. I think when you run into him in that first book, he's 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 a captain of the guard, right? And he's uh, strong and he's impassive, and we're getting the whole story told through Aelin's eyes, and um, we really don't really know him until he kind of falls in love, and you see another side of of him, and yeah, then we that see just a quivering develops. jellyfish is what we see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, and then I guess I'll mention uh, Kaja. I guess Kale's assigned servant. And what do we have in the first scene with her? What do we have in the first scene? I don't scene know. With I her? forget her. She was she's all prepared. She's got all her clothes oh, off and yeah, she's yeah. ready to bathe him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's the way I that's ask, the way I like to be bathed. I mean I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the whole aspect of like this the city's sexuality being much freer and and open consent wise and yeah it, it's interesting how he does bring it up later he's they're like well the servants aren't forced to pleasure anybody they do it by choice and he's like but if their status and position depends on whether or not people are pleased with them then 
they really don't have a choice hmm. but to say that they that they want to. And I I think it's just waved away. I think Irene even it's Irene or one of the the princesses is just like, well, we just choose to look at it a little bit differently. Yeah. I, yeah. But you know what? This scene was the beginning of what I thought would have made a great drinking game to go along with this book. Okay, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Every time uh, somebody mentions manhood or that word shows up or maleness in this book, take a drink. So you might make it like three chapters. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, by page, by page 20, you're probably going to be schnockered and you're not going <laughs> to care anymore. <laughs> you got you got to look at it in perspective. I mean, this is a this is written for a young female audience as opposed to a book that's written for a young male audience where we'd be talking about the same thing but with women. It's just that we're, you know, not used to hearing it about the dudes. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about Nezrin. Um she has accompanied Kale uh to this this land, uh, the land is called Antica. It's on the southern con continent, and um, she she has uh, somewhat kind of bonded herself to Kale, and Kale to her, and then she meets this this Sartak, a Rook rider and warrior, and uh, she turns around and tells Kale, "Hey, you know." I'm not holding you to any promises and I'm not going to hold to any promises. So we're going to go our own separate ways, which Kale doesn't react very well to at first, but, um, but her and Sartak, Nasserin and Sartak make a heck of a team. Yeah. No, wait, hold on a second. Yes. Are you telling me that a character in a relationship has to spend time with another character, also an attractive person, that they're not initially attracted to. I seem to remember somebody mentioning that. Yeah. yeah. But if, but but eventually they like this new person more than they like the old person. How can anyone in this universe trust any of their partners? Sure, well, exactly. Anyone who walks into town can steal your girl or your yeah. guy. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what? I want to say this. That from the get-go, when you see Kale and, um, and Nezrin, the relationship, while... Uh, so first of all, when we last left them, it wasn't like they were deep head into heels. They were kind of like, we're going to give this a try. Yeah. It was kind of tentative. And from the get-go here, Kale is really struggling with his identity because... After all, he is an invalid, and somehow his manhood and maleness is in question here. Oh, take um, a drink. Yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> Davis, take <laughs> a drink. Um, but the, but I think that he's questioning it within himself, and this kind of sets both him and Nezrin at odds, right? Kale and Nezrin at odds. And so from the get-go, you don't see a real strong relationship. And you see kind of a falling away. And and I think that Kale so much wants to repair it. Um, but Nezrin certainly doesn't seem convinced. No. So I think that well, there's I think it's not like it's not like we're talking about these are a 
deeply heveted, solid, committed relationship. From the get-go in this book, it seems a little bit ten- tentative. Yeah. Yeah. And Mazarin, she seems to be, well, how should I put it? She's home again, and she realizes how much she's missed being home. Right. Well, not only that, she gets home, she gets to her, she gets to her quote unquote, her like uh, family family home, and uh, finds out that her parents and sister and, and nieces and nephews all may be dead. Mm-hmm. And right. So not so she has this joyous occasion mixed with this horrible fret of whether or not, you know, she's allowed to be happy in this moment. Mm-hmm. So. And the relationship between her and Sartak, I liked that. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, he seemed pretty respectful. You know, obviously he had feelings for her, but he doesn't make uh, a move for her in front of Kale or anything like that. Unlike Kale, who is all over Irene, especially at that one party. You know, it's and it's yeah. not. It's not as um, I didn't feel about Nezrin's relationship. And maybe I'm just blocked out of my mind, but it didn't. Sometimes some of these relationships seemed over sexualized, and I didn't feel that as much with Nezerman. And am I, am I wrong about that? Am I remembering that incorrectly? Not at all. I totally yeah. agree that, that it was this... very much of a. You could tell that they loved and they cared about each other, and you could see the relationship developing and respect. But there was a there was a definite mutual respect. Well, it started yeah. out as a friendship and out of mutual interest. Yeah. And very, and Sartak was very respectful. I mean, you know, calling her captain of the guard all the time and, and uh, you know, appreciating what her position was. Which he also you, didn't... He, you don't see that very often in this series. No. Yeah. I agree. And he didn't hound her. Like, normally the guys are, like, constantly up in the girl's grill about... You know, like spend time with me, spend time with me, and he was kind of like, "Hey, look, I'm going to go fly. If you're really interested in this thing, like, come meet me to fly. But if not, no big deal." Instead of being like knocking at her door every other chapter, seeing if she wants to go flying or or that type, <laughs> that type of thing. So it was kind of, it was very different compared to the way the other men in the series have pursued their uh, interests. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we have uh, Falcon, who was a shapeshifter and merchant who sold 20 years of his life for spider silk. And now he's trying to get this 20 years of life back. This guy surprised me. I liked it. He, yeah, I, I liked it. Because he came off as this like quirky merchant and then they revealed that he, you know, he sold 20 years of his life. And he wanted to kill. And I thought, he's just going to be a liability. This is just going to be, like, fodder for whatever battle's coming. And or he's going to wind up being, like, a super coward or something. And then it turned out that he was, like, kind of pretty ballsy. Like, Yeah. yeah. You know, he sa- you know he didn't have to save him. He, he, he put his life on the line multiple times. He, he almost sacrificed himself at, the, at one point. And, uh, yeah, he, he really quickly like redeemed himself as as like uh you know maybe he did something in the past that was that was selfish but uh and paid the price but now he's 
a lot less more a lot less self-serving uh, in his actions. Oh yeah. Well, and, I I think it would have been a big loss had he not stepped in and and helped out when he did. Absolutely. Yep. You know, and I like the fact that they have this little connection between him and Lissandra, right? But on the same aspect, no one cannot be connected to our main characters. Right. That's impossible. Right. Because <laughs> Irene has the note because she, you know, met up with Selena in the past. And, well, of and course. That's what hit, makes it a good story, to, right? Yeah. You know, to, to, have it, to have it all kind of tied together. So apparently, we, you know, we didn't even touch on it or look at it, but there's a, a short storybook, I think, that, that, that of. Uh, there is yeah, there is a there's a prequel to the throat of Gra- glass and yeah. in that one it is mentioned yeah in that story yeah it has the irene story in there so yeah. hmm. so uh, irene we'll talk about her um a highly trained very talented healer that uses magic set to uh, take over you... the uh healing yes yeah. and, and as with I'm sorry. Oh, no. Go ahead. As with all of our characters, they're the peak of whatever their um, industry desires at the mere age of 21, 22. Yeah. She, <laughs> they've she they've is peaked the... at the industry. The, the best healer in the in the tower or the, the best guard or whatever. Or the best yeah. assassin. The best she's assassin. E- she's even better than, than her mentor, Hafzia. Yeah. So... But yep, now she's decided she's going goes to see Kale, and she don't like him, don't like him at all. Nope. So she's not too you know sure. Know what that and, means? Yeah. Yep. Da 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 da. As <laughs> usual. And um, anyway, she she examines him and finds out, you know, that okay, this I might be able to help here. And then she makes up her mind to go ahead, and even though she doesn't like Kale at all, she's going to help him. Yeah, yeah. And now some of those some of those scenes with her were rather brutal. With the healing and stuff. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the uh, if if to give uh, Sarah Moss a, a credit. Her descriptions of Kale's agony were were palpable. Even when you go into her past, you you see some of what she had to deal with, and this is one of the things. And I, I we mentioned this in some other books that we read, but you know, I'll be out running or I'll be out doing something. I'll be reading this book, and I'll be like almost cursing at it because the description is so vivid, it's so disturbing, and it's so visual. And she does this very well. She she. She she gets your attention and helps you, kind of almost feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So, I I liked her character to be honest. Um, I thought she was, for the most part, um, I thought she was a very strong character. I yeah. thought she was well written, uh, interesting, had a really good personality. Um, someone I think I wouldn't mind meeting and, and, and visiting with cause you know, yeah, I think she, that this book might have the best female leads 
best written female leads. Yeah. I, I, I personally like the Nezrin and uh, Irene better than Selena. Although I do like uh, the other shapeshifter girl, but Lysandra. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know, I felt I was felt really scared for Irene when she was in the library. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. And being stalked. I mean, that was that was intense. Yeah. At that point she was exp still pretty expendable, too. Like the love story hadn't taken off too much, so she mm -hmm. could have easily been killed off. Well, fortunately the the monster killed the wrong person. Yeah. So yeah. Do we want to talk about the monster? Sure. Go like, ahead. Did, did you expect it to be who or what it was? I expected it to be evolved. I didn't, yeah. I didn't necessarily expect it to be inhabiting the queen's daughter or the king's daughter. Yeah. I, 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 well, I wasn't sure if it was going to be another one of those monsters that uh, was in the previous castle. Like the experimented oh, on yeah, yeah. monster, because mm. I because since we nobody was really acting evil, and most of the other Vogs, it's like very apparent that they're possessed. Uh, I was expecting uh, it to be a little bit more of a, a Vog monster, but I thought it was really, I I thought the idea of hiding the ring in another ring was really really interesting because I kept thinking, well, they, they haven't described that anyone has a black, you know, band on them or anywhere. And here it was, it was inside her wedding band. So it was hidden. Right. Uh, I thought that was a really cool uh, way of, of infiltrating the family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it serves to show that you, you just don't know where the Volg are going to turn up or, how far actually uh, the reach is for Maeve. Right. Yeah. Appar well, apparently her this, reach is very, very far. Well, this isn't, this isn't Maeve. It's this not Maeve. It's, it's, um, it's the other guy. Because Maeve yeah. doesn't Ma deal oh, with oh, the oh. rings. Pennington. Yeah, Maeve doesn't possess the, the, the spider, the spider, The spiders are connected to Maeve, but not... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all they're all to be fair they're all like, they're like two sides of the same coin but they're different factions in, in a sense. Yeah. 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 So uh what do we have next here Jim? Well, um we mentioned Antica, we did we didn't really talk about the Rook. These are I like I like their I like their culture, I like their tribe, I like their way of doing things. Yeah, they they seem to be very cohesive and together and uh very well trained. I like the I like uh, the one and I don't remember her name. I like the one that's engaged to the other guy and the way she treats him. I think it's hilarious. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> the George and Gracie kind of Right, right, right. <laughs> like we're engaged but they like try to kill each other. It's just great. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought I found I found the Rook way more interesting than the the uh, Wyvern Riders. I I don't know. I think they just were much cooler. The whole like idea of the whole society based around it was a lot cooler. Right. Well, they were they were way more heroic. Yeah. Right. I mean they they seem to have a purpose to serve good 
rather than you don't know whether they're serving good or evil. Right. Uh, with, right. with with uh Manon and and her crew. Uh you know, they're they're the kind of people that hey, you know, they'd be great to have for help, but you want to make sure you got your back to a wall because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't know <laughs> you don't know when it's coming for you. Oh, exactly. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I like I like the storyline here. We have I, the next item is the whole spiders or the Vogue, the female Vogue or whatever um, that we have that are kind of a part of this. Um, number one, I did not see that coming that they were going to be Vogue. Um, yeah, but I like the the whole interaction between them and the Ryuk um, or the the, the Ryuk. Uh, and then I like that. I like the connection when we find the actual story. And the connection between Queen Maeve, it just brings a whole different level. And, you know, earlier we have in the one book, and um, uh, when we, I saw this when I reread it, when I, you know, because I was Mr. Read Ahead, so I'd read this book away before we read the book three. But when we encounter Queen Maeve for the first time and Aelin's kind of facing off, she gets cut and she bleeds black at least initially, uh, and then it can it changes to red. What makes sense now? Because now we know that she's actually part of Vogue. Yeah, if that's yeah. not a hint and a half for you. <laughs> right, right. And But we don't realize at the time until, you know, this book just really clearly lays it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the Vogue are far-reaching, and you don't know when they're going to turn up or where they're going to turn up. Yeah. Right. Which makes them, you know, the uh, the wild card that, you know, well, you have someone, well, maybe this is a Vogue thing going on. Uh, didn't we determine that, that Kale's affliction was Vogue related? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. And somehow, even a, though he doesn't have a ring, he's able to, when they gain a foothold, it's, I, I like this idea that, this idea of darkness or the internal darkness allows them to have a foothold into your life and you don't even need a ring for it. You don't need any other thing. But when you begin to doubt or when you begin to, you know, harbor bitterness, this somehow gives a root for the Vog in. And I and I like that, that idea because it becomes almost a metaphor. We were talking prior to the show here about hate Um and it really kind of is a metaphor for like how hate can just take root and can impact stuff like physical healing, but mental healing. And, and uh, so I really enjoy, I, to enjoy it maybe is a, the wrong word for it, but I really appreciated the way that was written. Yeah. Yeah. So you think the vulgar kind of symbolic for, I, for evil or sickness or, I think in the case of in the in this storyline, I would have said that there is a this idea of, of hatred and anger and um you know unresolved unresolved things from your past. Like in that way they become symbolic. I don't know if I would say in a general sense, like in the other books with the rings, if I would have said, Oh yeah, these are symbolic of that. But I did feel in this book they kind of came across that way for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, I think I'm just going to turn it over to Scott, unless you guys have any other points you want to discuss. Um, Favorite points of plot? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I I we I think we covered a lot a lot of them. Um, but uh, David, let's start with you. Um, what is a favorite point of plot? I really liked the scene with um, Nezrin and Sartak in the spider like den with uh, Falcon and just like that whole thing of them like being trapped and then having to escape and then the exhibition uh, you know the story about how finding out who Maeve is and all that stuff and then or Mab and and then them trying to get away and and the other rooks coming to save them and then really learning that fire is their big weakness, um, et cetera, et cetera. That was probably my favorite part of the book. Um, the end battle too was, was pretty interesting um, as well because it just didn't... A lot of times with these things, the outcome seems obvious, but in this one... I just didn't know what was going to happen. Like I didn't know. I mean, obviously they were going to triumph, but I didn't know who was going to die or how, or are they going to save the baby or is the baby going to be a fog baby or, or like that whole whole thing. So the, the end battle was still had some surprises for me. Yeah. Um, so those are my two really big uh, things that I enjoyed. Although overall, I, I think that I really enjoyed this book. Uh, way more than probably the last one. Yeah. And then, uh, David, I, I had the same thing uh, as you had uh, the fight with the spiders uh, and all that. That that was that was really interesting and fun. Uh, the revelations that we got in this story, the, you know, about Mav or Mave or however it's said, I, I, I know I'm butchering these names. Um, but then adding to that at the end of the book when when the rook riders were yeah we'll come help you let's go <laughs> yeah yeah and even like it didn't take much to bring all the the clans together well it didn't you know? it you know kale shows up with all this junk that he's going to he's going to get the coggin to jump in with and the coggin says no i don't have time for this get out of here and and uh Nesrin shows that her cause is worthy right and that's yeah. what got the rook riders to go along with it so that those are kind of some of my, those are my favorite points of plot yeah. well you know i think the entire book you know we talk about the the Coggin finally comes on board at the end. The entire book is improving that Aelin's cause is worthy and it's, and it's worthy for the multiple reasons. I'm saving his daughter, them and not desiring to, I mean, there's this whole subtext about who's going to be the next King. And there's this whole political infighting that's going on among the children of the Coggin that we didn't even talk about that, you know, they just don't desire it. And the ones that don't desire it are the ones that actually get it um, when it's clear that the good of the country or the good of the family 
is sought above personal gain. And it's just a, uh, I don't know if I've, I mean, all the, all the moments you mentioned, of course, I liked, I, I, you know, the, the revelation of the books, of the library, of the, of the passageways near the castle, like all that stuff is fantastic. Um, but I, and so I, I would, I would agree with everything that you're saying. Uh, yeah. But I do think that the, the book itself really holds together well. And I know we criticize some of the, the love triangles and stuff that you typically get in it. But in the end, y- you want Nezrin with, um, with uh, oh, what's his name? Sartak. Sartak. You want Nezrin with that. And you want Irene with, um, with, with, with Kale. I mean, these are the people that you want them with and you like to see them with. And so... You know, we complain about it, but in the end, we feel good about these relationships that they're ultimately with. In much the way that we feel, you know, Aelin is with, um, of course, I can't remember the uh, the fairy guy's name, but, um, you know, with him as well. And, and Oh, and, Rowan? Yeah, Rowan. And, and, and you want to see them with him, you know? And so I think that the I think the end you 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 end the end up with the people that we at least are rooting for them to end up with. So yeah, but. yeah, yeah. All right, so I guess we can move into some favorite quotes and stuff here. I I uh, I don't have anything that's anything really, but I see Jim has a couple things here. What do you have, Jim? And I yeah, have a, I have I have a, a few as well. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think it's Irene who said this, or maybe Hafsia, but I I didn't write down who it was. Um, this quote is, but generally speaking, I thought it was it was a, a neat quote. You would be surprised by how closely the healing of physical wounds is tied to the healing of emotional ones. So, yeah, I, I feel I, like that Irene said that. Yeah, I think Maybe. there's there's a lot of truth in that, um, in the real world. And then mm-hmm. and then uh, Falcon, after this uh, this battle, he says, "Everything hurts." He grimaced, rubbing his leg. Remind me to never do anything heroic again. <laughs> I like that quote. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> How about you, Scott? Oh, yeah. So have? Uh, I have this one. You must enter where you fear to tread. I, thought, I mean, that's always the characters, right? Um, mm-hmm. We don't look back. It helps no one and nothing to look back. This idea of just looking forward. Ooh, that's a good one. I, I do. I, I like that one. Um, um Yep, I think those are two. Those, I mean, they're short quotes, and there's others, but that that works. But okay, I like I well, I do I do like there's a I, I I like part of the quote. The idea Kale's saying using a chair is not punishment. It's not a prison. He said softly, and never was. And I'm as much of a man in that chair or with that cane as I am standing on my feet. And he's speaking to Irene at this point. He brushed away the tear that slipped down her cheek. I want to heal you, she breathed. You did, she said, Irene, in every way that truly matters, you did. Do you think he actually believes that? Well, I think in the moment of love, he does. 
Okay. Like, there's a wholeness that Irene brings to him that heals yeah. him more than physical. Then, yeah, of course. He wants to be on his feet. He wants to be fighting. He wants to be riding the horse and doing, I mean, there's that part of him. But I think in the way that truly matters, the essence of what really matters to him, I mean, Irene healed him in an internal way that nothing physical could touch. So, huh. anyways. Anyways, so anyways, those are my quotes. Okay, well, let's uh, let's get our closing thoughts in here uh, and your your overall review scoring of, of the book. I also want to, to, to ask you if you feel like, I mean, obviously we haven't read the last book, but if you <coughs> have what's in, well, some of us haven't read the next book. <laughs> if you feel like this book feels essential to the plot, or if this stuff could have been easily ad added later, or would you have been interested reading this post climax of the series? Start with you, Scott. Oh, so first of all, I would not be interested in reading this post climax of the series. I mean, once the series is over, why do I want to go back and read like, oh, what what was going on with Kale? You know, so it's one thing if it was a prequel, but this really fleshes out a story that was in a sense missing. Like we we went through the last book and Kale and Nezrin are missing, but now we get their story before we get to like the final climactic battle or whatever, right? I I think that this book is exactly where it needs to be. Um, and and it's why it's listed. When you look at the books in the order, they're listed in this order for a reason, right? Yeah. Um, so for me, this book needed to be here. I really did enjoy it. Talking about it, I, I would say that this book's a four out of five for me, um, only because it it's 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 good. It, 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 we're focused on different characters. I think we have better female characters. We have better. Um, I think with Sartak, we have a better male character. You see a relationship where there's a mutual respect and isn't so um, sexual, right? Um, I mean, there's that there's that hint there, but I, I like it. I think for me, um, I give this a four out of five on those principles and uh, the way it drops uh, stuff in the story, the revelations about Queen Mav and the way it pulls a curtain back. I, I don't know. I, I think this book sells it for me. I, I I have to give this book a four out of five. Not a five, but certainly not the the weakest of the books that we read. So all right. Jim, how about you? Uh I thought this book could have been about four hundred pages shorter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Uh it, it was just way too freaking long. I mean it if it takes me two weeks to read a book, there is something wrong. Um I'm generally I'm generally through with a book in four days, even even a six hundred page book. Um, that being said, I I'd, I would not definitely want to go back and read this after the the final chapter of this story because it's like why, okay? Yeah. Um. It, it's not the worst book I've ever read, but I guess I guess I'm I'm tired of the trope. 
the, the same thing over and over and over again with with all this this uh romantic maneuvering going on it, it's 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 like watching a chess game yeah um just too much um i think we could i think we could cut it down a little bit and get a little more uh, to the point a little faster and stop all of the courting that is going on uh, I am finally. I, I'm. I'm very happy, though. Finally, that people got married at the end of this thing. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, there's a sense of commitment there. Um, I just. I'm looking forward, believe it or not, to the next book in the series to see how that turns out with the Rooks helping and Nezrin coming back and Kale being more or less whole again and how Irene is going to help out um, everybody, how she's going to add her dynamic to the whole thing because apparently her and Aelin met at some point and yeah, Aelin gave her, that, gave her that note. So she's already, you know, she's lived her life um, thus far with with encouragement from Aelin. So how how she's going to repay that encouragement will be very interesting. Yep. So I'm going to I'm going to give it a 3 and um out of 5. Okay. Um I I you know I I I really enjoyed this this book compared to the last one. I think I think I was getting tired of the characters in some ways. Like they just felt like things were happening, but I don't know. They felt a little starting to feel a little stale to me. Some really cool stuff happened at like Skulls Bay and that kind of stuff. But um, I wasn't like super pumped for what was next. And I think that the end of this book has me way more excited for the climax in the next book. Mm. Just with knowing that this like, it's kind of like in the Lord of the Rings where you, you know that the army of the dead is going to come, you know, because you were following that subplot. And then it just has this great payoff when it finally shows up. Right. Um, I, I I really feel I agree with you, Jim. This could have been a lot shorter. And I would wager a large amount that the actual premise of this book was a plot line, a shorter plot line that got cut from the other ones. The editor said... We don't have time for this. Pull it out. And afterwards, she was like, you know what? I bet I can flush this out and make it a full book. And she just had to, like, put a lot more into it to get it to, to get it published or whatever. Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine reading this post the end of the series. Uh, it just seems crazy because the plot in here is so interdependent on the rest of the books that it, it just, like, doesn't serve a purpose without it yeah without like that without that overarching story it's just kind of like well nothing really new new happened you know like i don't know i don't we have a lot of dune books that fit into places and i think like paula dune suffered from that as well where it was like the characters were kind of shoehorned and they couldn't really go too far out from where they were destined to be in the next book yeah so uh yeah so i'm gonna give it a four out of five i was gonna give it a 3.5 out of five uh, but then as Scott was talking, a lot of the points that he made 
uh, reminded me of some of the things I really did enjoy about this book. And I felt that it was a little bit stronger than some of the other ones. Although overall, I still am enjoying the series, but I feel like that's a, a thing is that when you're, you're trying to be critical at some point, you're like, wait, am I being critical just to be critical? Right, or, right. <laughs> or like, where do I really stand here? Right. Uh, can I just enjoy this? And I think I just enjoyed it. Yeah. Good. Okay. So, well, that gives so us that an pre- overall 3.67. There you go. All right. All right. Well, our next book that we're going to be reading is Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Now, I don't know much about this one, but Scott, or I'm sorry, Jim came to us and said, got to read this book. It's a new thing. It's the hot stuff on the internets. We got to read this dystopian sci-fi sci-fi book or I'm walking. That's what he said. <laughs> right, right. I'll, I'll tell you, tell you the, the, the actual circumstance. Uh, my <laughs> grandson, who he and I, uh, he's adopted, and he and I have been kind of at odds as the years have gone on. We're we're coming together and having a little more of a mutual understanding about things. And so he's trying to get me interested in some things that he's interested in. And so I thought, oh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out. So um my grandson handed me the book and he said, You should read this. It's really, really good. And I looked at the back of the book, and it said it's a lot like, um, what is that, that um, the kids fighting all the time for food? Uh, Hunger Games. Hunger Games. And it's like, eh, I've kind of avoided Hunger Games. But uh, in the interest of, of uh, furthering the relationship with my grandson, I thought, okay, I'll propose it to you guys, see what you think, if you if you like the idea. Um, then I can, I can, uh, I can get on board. And I said, I'm all about supporting you getting closer with your grandson. And Scott said, I don't care about your grandson. I don't want to read it, but two out of three. So here we are. <laughs> well, so I, I didn't even know this book was in the dock until tonight. So I'm staying out of this. Oh, okay. <laughs> we talked about it. I thought we were, I thought we were, I, I was ignoring the chat. I thought we were doing Nathan Lowell's <laughs> book, Quartermaster, but you know, whatever. Uh, oh no! Uh, well, next no no no! Nathan Lowell's book, uh, that the one that one I proposed that is his that is a fantasy book. Mm, that's yeah. not that's not uh, Golden Age of the Solar Clippers. Unfortunately, yeah, Solar Clipper. Yeah. This is a fantasy book. Okay, it it's got magic in it. So get ready, because so in two fantasy reviews, we'll have that one up. All right. Yeah. All right. So after we finish the next, uh, the next one finished out the Throne of Glass series. Sounds finally. good. But the Red so. Rising should be it should be interesting. I mentioned it yeah. to our school librarian. She ordered it for me, so I don't have to buy it. Oh, there you go. Nice. Is is it a series? Yes. Jim? Uh, there is. are three books in the series. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, if you want to let us know what you think of the Throne of Glass series or Red Rising for the next episode. Uh, you can always email your thoughts to us at theorbitalsword at gmail.com. Or, if you'd like, you can leave us a voicemail at... one two six zero five seven seven C H A T. That's one two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. 577 2428 Awesome. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash orbitalsword or on Twitter at orbitalsword. You can join the conversation there. And, of course... You can always find all our back episodes and, and comments and such at orbitalsword.com. 
So we want to thank uh, everyone for joining us, especially our Patreons over at Patreon. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much for being a part of uh, our team and helping us out. Um, so, once again, for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And join us next time on board the Orbital Sword. If I go to the sky, I will always see your smile. I will always see your smile. You're the
never get away Cause I will miss you